Section forty one, volume three, chapter five of Mrs. Armitage or Female Domination by Mrs. Gore. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Helen Taylor. Chapter five. Yes, I had hopes, and they are fled, and I had fears were all too true. My wishes, too, but they are dead and what have i with life to do tis but to bear a weary load i may not must not cast away to sigh for one small still abode where i may sleep as still as they st ledger a few more days elapsed and the holywell party was dispersed when arthur and his wife after an affectionate farewell from sophia and a ceremonious one from mrs armytage proceeded on their tour arthur's last visit was to greta castle to bespeak from lady laura for his sister during their absence that warmer assiduity of kindness which sickness demands and for which her own brother previous to his return to his official duties had already pleaded a visit which proved sufficient to lend new attractions to the scarborough road in the eyes of his jealous little wife and now marian's prospects were indeed enchanting six weeks liberty six weeks emancipation her husband child father aunt the sea the shore the new and beautiful country rides drives dinners balls with her kind friends the spaldings what a change from that chain armoury of feuds and ceremonies holywell park but for the mournful tenderness with which at parting miss armytage hung over and embraced her little niece marian would not have had a sorrow or a care in the world and then the cordial reception of aunt robsey and the good little senator's exulting exclamation to arthur of obliged to sleep at malton ay ay when we have brought in our bill for the scarborough railroad you will drive over from holywell to take a sea-water bath and back again for dinner while his lady full of the joys of libraries and raffles moss agates and cornelians loudly exulted in the prospect of six weeks busy idleness at a watering-place all mrs arthur's anticipations appeared on the eve of realization with the exception of the balls for already the servants horses and other cattle belonging to the spalding family had arrived the preceding day at the vast red brick barn engaged for them the servants in uncustomary suits of solemn black the very horses with sable rosettes to their blinkers it was clear that they were all very sorry about something and by a little dexterous whispering among the gentry of the lower chamber or servants hall which contrary to the custom of other chambers borrows its intelligence directly from the upper house or steward's room mrs dyke managed to ascertain that her grace had lost a brother and lord wyndham gained a title and estate a small estate but a title no less flowing than that of baron wildingham of wildingham the loss and consequently the gain seemed unexpected 
for the late lord who was by many years the junior of the duchess a long life had been anticipated and many people were of the opinion that he had been with malice prepense tormented into a pleurisy by her grace who chose to detect a murillo for which he had given four thousand pounds to be a copy and had pointed out a flaw in the finest of his fictile vases facts which had they come to the knowledge of leo low or as the london gazette now entitled us to call him mr lomax marscourt coupled with the terms of entail conveying title and fortune to his sister's second son might perhaps have added a new chapter to his dissertation on the crimes consequent upon female domination as i knew nothing of the old lord said mrs robsey to arthur i am mighty glad your friend has come into his estate but such a coxcomb as he was before bless us all what will he be now you are mistaken was the well-judging reply wynne was a coxcomb because he fancied puppyism the only means of distinction within his reach now he finds himself somebody he will think of distinction as a thing indifferent for my part said aunt robsey looking very wise i don't quite understand about what you call puppyism particularly about french puppyism now there was that fashionable monsieur clerrymill who used to dine so often in portland place last season monsieur claramel and his flute interrupted marian exactly my dear monsieur clerrymill and his flute had always a knife and fork at our table and there he used to sit sable from head to foot not an inch of cambric not a colour not a trinket to be seen black and all black as my brother baltimore would say like romeo when he breaks open the tomb of the capulets and when i inquired of some particular friend of his whether it was for his father or his mother monsieur was in mourning the friend laughed and said clerimel was a jeune élégant and that it was the height of french dandyism to be black as a crow and so it is said marian and pray then what was the meaning of lord wyndham's flashy waistcoats and chains and studs and all his nonsenses when he used to drive his cab through pall mall with his hat stuck on one side and his cream-coloured gloves he always put me in mind of a dandy in a farce there certainly must be two kinds of french puppyism exactly there is the puppyism of the many which affects to shrink into simplicity on pretence of a very superfluous desire to pass unnoticed but there is also the puppyism of the few the glaring flashy puppyism of those who fancy themselves in a position which entitles them to attract attention the novel of pelham drove half the young frenchmen out of their senses not detecting the irony of its pages they found it a matter-of-fact school of pelhamites and the english caricature was adopted as an historical picture on the boulevards pelham did more mischief to la jeune france than all the works of voltaire or rousseau well it certainly was a most amusing book cried mrs robsey taking her own view of the case and now you remind me of it i declare lord wyndham or as we must now call him lord wildingham is or was the very image of henry pelham 
it was some time however before mrs dyke had an opportunity of deciding what influence his accession to the peerage had exercised over the object of her conjectures the duchess and her daughters arrived all crape and broad hems escorted by the apathetic lord cecil but lord downham was off to brighton to take a course of mahomet's beauty baths and lord wildingham to london to confer with his lawyers call in his debts study his rent-roll and luxuriate in the newly acquired troubles of a man of fortune in all this meanwhile it was plain that there was something vexatious to her grace while grief depressed the corners of her mouth indignation contracted the arching of her jetty eyebrows it may be that she had expected to find honourable mention of herself as well as her son in the will of the late lord it might be that she had obtained from her daughters some hint of the sudden passion conceived by the present for the rose of the grange it might be that the answers brought back every morning by her page from donna's hotel respecting a suite of apartments said to be supposed to be or expected to be engaged for the duke of wetherby were of an unsatisfactory nature yet even lacking both the duke and the baron scarborough was gay and pleasant enough for the world in general the weather was fine there was the castle hill to explore the ruins to sketch robin hood's bay to traverse filey and its wild and breezy shore to make the object of a drive the soft and autumnal tinted valley leading to hackness afforded many a charming ride many a charming saunter after which late dinners a little music and a little gossip filled up the sober hours of those who affected weak health and sea-bathing as an excuse for frequenting a watering-place marian was perfectly happy she could not understand what induced the spaldings to protest with peevish discontent that they had never seen scarborough so dull so disagreeable so empty not a soul there not a chat de société it did not occur to her that the absence of a single silent duke had made so vast a deficiency in the attractions of the place nor was she aware that poor lady honoria having flattered herself of being followed from doncaster by lord edward brierton was chewing the young lady-like cud of sweet and bitter fancies not even the prospect of the arrival of the bride and bridegroom mr and the honourable mrs lomax marscourt seemed to afford any hope of diversion to the spalding family while mr dyke robsey unable to keep pace with the vivacity of an arthur armitage or to penetrate the tortoise-like inaccessibility of lord leicester spalding flattered himself that in the ex-citizen of a free country he should meet with sympathy in his diminutive enthusiasm for the cause of railroads and radical reform while his gay lady rejoiced in the prospect of a peep at the wedding clothes of an aristocratic bride the lady cousins voted all the world a bore and all the men and women merely torments mrs arthur armitage might find amusement in trotting on a long-tailed pony on the sands of filey or admiring the golden beeches of hackness but what profitless pleasures for the unmarried daughters of the duchess of spalding 
far different meanwhile were the mournfully meditative looks that fixed themselves upon those falling autumnal leaves among the groves of holywell sophia armitage felt with that inward conviction which is one of the most gracious inspirations of divine love that she was gazing upon them for the last time felt it not without awe not without exultation she could not accuse herself of having given way to idle sorrow who amid all her griefs and disappointments some natural tears had dropped but wiped them soon and the blight which had fallen upon her frame seemed as inevitable a dispensation as that which on a sunny summer day will breathe upon the choicest flower-garden and nip its buds from blowing satisfied that she had been marked for early death the victim had at length so far surmounted the clinging predilections of mortality as to admit that all had chanced for the best that as a happy wife perhaps as a happy mother she might have found this barren world enough for bliss and clung with too fast a hold upon the tendernesses of human life yes all had been for the best the way to death was now comparatively easy the lover of her youth had forsaken her her brother was happy in household ties of a more engrossing nature her mother sophia could not flatter herself that she was essential to the happiness of her mother had a new race springing around her even the little grants were growing up to womanhood and might dispense with her instructions she knew that when she was gone her poor would still be clothed her hungry fed her sick comforted she felt that she had a right to die the father who has a family to toil for the mother with babes to nurture and to cherish must live must struggle with disease must resist the longing after immortality or yearning for the stillness of the grave but sophia armitage as she gazed upon la face des heures le front de montagne rude et non vieilli et les bois toujours verts could feel that her task was accomplished her day of peace appointed could murmur mais moi sous chaque jour courbant plus par ma tête je passe et refroidi sous ce soleil joyeux je m'en irai bientôt au milieu de la fête sans que rien manquait au monde immense et radieux still nothing could would or did excite on her account the apprehensions of mrs armitage she saw that her daughter was very delicate very weak but sophia had never been strong and no positive disorder having declared itself time and care would no doubt complete her restoration lady rotherham too was an unlucky neighbour for such a case lady rotherham had seen so many delicate girls recovered even from the depths of a consumption by ass's milk and a certain preparation of iceland moss that sophia armitage scarcely yet appeared sufficiently ill to justify the infallibility of her specific lady laura was the only person who discerned the truth lady laura who knew the happiness of a dearly beloved brother to be centred in sophia's restoration to health and cheerfulness 
scarcely suffered a day to pass without assuring herself by the evidence of her own tearful eyes that the invalid was weaker than on the day preceding the name of rainsford had never been mentioned between them from the period when both became assured of the solemnization of his marriage and lady laura was guided only by her own suppositions in the belief that her friend's disorder was seated beyond the reach of human aid still she did believe it and honestly admit to lord greta her conviction that he was building his hopes of happiness on a foundation of sand finding it impossible to alarm mrs armytage she even addressed her own father and mother with earnest entreaties that they would interpose their influence to procure the best advice and change of atmosphere and scene for her fast declining friend but a more powerful advocate than either was enlisted in the cause dr grant who had been persevering in his hopes that strength of mind and force of youth would enable miss armytage to surmount the blow she had received who even trusted that his own exhortations might suffice to impress her with the sinfulness of yielding to the ascendancy of vain regrets and fruitless affections at length discerned the imminency of the danger and felt it incompatible with his duty to conceal the truth from mrs armytage he had recently acquired a double right of remonstrance with his patroness general devereux had made it his business to acquaint her with the good pastor's immediate and unqualified refusal of the rich preferment tendered to him and she had not only the gratification to know that in his love for the flock committed to his hand he had chosen to remain dependent on her will but had even refused the temporary provision assigned to him by her liberality had you judged it due to my services my dear madam you would have tendered it long ago was his proud reply the labourer is worthy of his hire when i am appointed to fulfil the duties of rector of thoroton the stipend will naturally be mine and the haughty woman's respect for the vicar of holywell had been a thousandfold increased by this evidence of his nobleness of mind dr grant had at all times access to her presence and when one evening after a prolonged visit to sophia he requested an audience of mrs armytage in her library she simply attributed the request to some dilemma of village business some one of a family of fifteen children to be apprenticed some aged woman to be admitted into the infirmary some youthful depredator to be chastised or admonished some dutiful child rewarded she entered the library therefore with her most magisterial air with that stately step which spoke her descent from the maudsleys of doomsday book and her presiding over an estate of fifteen thousand per annum but after an hour's conference very different was the gait with which she recrossed the hall not david when shrinking beneath the rebuke of nathan could have worn an air more conscience-struck her face was ghastly her step faltering grief for her daughter's danger was deepened into despair by her knowledge of its origin she would have given much 
to have kneeled down beside sophia's couch and poured out her agony in tears but dr grant had insisted so strongly on the urgency of avoiding all cause of agitation for the invalid that she could only retire to indulge in solitary misery to commune with her own heart and in her chamber and be still end of volume three chapter five